Um, yes, it's good to be with you. Um, I was just saying it's uh, I remember especially the the Christmas events with the international students at Hollywell and uh, the great work that's done there with with those people. I've enjoyed being with you. Just a, a, a little note to Seth. Um, I was once given one of those tear off calendars. You know, you tear off um, uh, one sheet every day of the year and it was 365 names of Jesus found in the Bible. So you've got a long way to go, <laughs> Seth, if you're up to 12. Uh, so enjoy looking for all of those names and descriptions of Christ. But I, I was mentioning a few minutes ago, I think one of the things concerning about this pandemic, as far as the UK is concerned, is the way the media and the government, I suppose, really has sort of airbrushed out of our thinking any consideration about God. In the Second World War, so I'm told I wasn't around really, uh, you know, they, they called for national days of prayer. The churches apparently were packed and there were some remarkable, almost miraculous happenings. And and people said, yes, this this is God answering prayer. But there's not been a call from the government or even the royal family has a, uh, for a national day of repentance and prayer, which I, I, I really do believe this nation needs. But it's concerning that, uh, you know, we faced all these difficulties and yet so little consideration uh, to Jesus Christ and the gospel message, which has had such an impact on our nation over the centuries. So I think it's good that here we are coming up to Christmas once again, a little bit of attention given to the person of Jesus Christ and why he is so important, why he's so relevant, not just a story or, as I heard, described on the BBC earlier this week, a fictional story. No, no, no. This is a real story that has an impact uh, on each one of us and on our nation. And that's why I asked for that passage from Matthew's Gospel to be read. And if you've got uh, a Bible, you might like to open it up and try and follow it, because I want to make certain things that well, draw out from this passage, certain things about Jesus, which to my mind are incredibly crucial. First thing is this that Jesus Christ is the man of history. Now, when Joseph asked me for the Bible reading, I, I was very merciful, really. I said, uh, Matthew chapter one, verses 18 to 25, which, of course, is what he read. I could have said Matthew chapter one, and that would have been very mischievous because the first 17 verses are a whole list of names. And um, yes, it, it's a bit tough to ask somebody to read all those those uh, Jewish names, but they're very important because this is Jesus's genealogy. And Matthew takes us right back to Abraham. In fact, if we read from Luke's gospel, the genealogy of Jesus goes right back to Adam. How interesting. I, I, I've got to say, I'm not particularly interested in my genealogy. I, I met one of my grandfathers, but I hardly remember him. The other one uh, died before I was born. And before that, well, now my brother is very different. He's traced our genealogy. But, do you know, I haven't even asked him to to tell me what he discovered. It doesn't particularly grab me, but it did grab the Jewish mind. And and so thankfully, we have this genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a real man, the man of history. We can trace his ancestry going back generation by generation. 
I've obviously as a Christian worker and uh, I've spoken to many people who are atheists and they've argued that they don't believe in God. I asked them, do you believe that Jesus Christ lived? And and it'd be a very unusual person who said, no, 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 there was no such person. Though, as I said, <laughs> I heard the BBC saying this the other day. They they love to bring out their atheists, don't they? And their comedians who want to mock everything Christian. But no, this is the man of history, a real historical character. And the fact that we have his genealogy is important. But of course, there were other historians, not necessarily Christians, writing about him at the same sort of time. But then secondly, I want us to think about Jesus as the man of mystery. And this is where he becomes so important because a man of history, well, there have been many men of history, but there's something mysterious about the Lord Jesus, which is it leaves us thinking, OK, we need to find out more. Why is this? In verse 18, we read now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, betrothal was something less than engagement. There was a commitment, but it wasn't formalized as engagement and certainly not marriage. But after his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then again in verse 20. But while Joseph thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know how I came into the world and, and every human being came the same way, apart from Adam and Eve and apart from Jesus, because there was something very miraculous, but very, very important. It wasn't a normal relationship, physical relationship between Joseph and Mary that brought Jesus into the world. But God, the Holy Spirit, so worked within Mary that she conceived and was to give birth to the Lord Jesus Christ nine months later. The Bible teaches there's only one God. But this one God is in three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit is really the personal power of God at work in the world today. And it was the Holy Spirit himself who so worked in Mary that she conceived this child, though she was a virgin, and was to give birth to the Lord Jesus. Now, this was prophesied of old, as we'll see in a moment. And this was God entering our world. So Jesus was born, yes, of humanity, of Mary. But of God himself, he is the God man. He's fully human and fully God. Now, that makes him totally unique. No other character has ever come into our world who is God clothed in humanity. But Jesus is exactly that. God has stepped into the arena of human history. God with us, as Seth was underlining uh, a few minutes ago. God has come to the world that has, as it were, shaken its fist in his face. But out of love, he's come to reach and to rescue us. So in the times of coronavirus, when there are so many perplexities and so much anxiety and for some people, deep, deep depression to have a God who's entered our world is a wonderful thing. The one who is infinite has become the one who's intimate. He's come to reach and to rescue us. But then thirdly, and I've already touched on this, he is the man of prophecy. Look at verse 22. Um, or yes, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, 
saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. I think one of the very interesting, again, totally unique things about the Lord Jesus Christ is that his biography was written before he was ever born. Now, I love biography. In fact, this whole wall is full of books of biographies. I, I really enjoy biographies. But I have to say, all of these books are biographies written about people after their birth or usually after their death. But not so with Jesus. Here is this one who was, who, who, who yes, entered into our world. But before he ever came, the prophets of old had spoken about him. They, they'd foretold how he would come into the world. I, I'm sure you're aware the Bible is divided into two parts, the Old Testament written before Jesus was born and the New Testament written after he was born. Now, the Old Testament contains many, many sections of prophecy, whole books given over to prophecy. And they tell us so much about this coming Messiah, this coming Christ. So we're told, for example, that, yes, he'd be born of a virgin. We're, we're told where he'd be born, just in a little village called Bethlehem, a few miles south of Jerusalem. We're told that he'd be taken to Egypt. Uh, the prophet said that he would grow up in Nazareth. We're told some of the things he would say and the things he would do and details about his life and his character. And then we're told in detail about his his death because his death is incredibly significant. But the the interesting thing about this is, yes, the prophecies concerning his death were written before he was born, but they were written even before crucifixion was devised. So long before crucifixion was devised, which I think yeah, was used as a form of capital punishment by the Phoenicians about 300 years before Christ. But long before that, Isaiah, the prophet, 700 years before Christ, Zechariah, 500 odd years before Christ, King David, a thousand years before Christ. They tell us about how his back would be beaten and would be left like a, a plowed up field with furrows in it. Uh, they tell us how he'd have nails through his hands and his feet. They tell us how he'd be spat upon and despised and rejected. They tell us how he'd be, how he'd die between thieves, how he'd die a poor man's death, but be buried in a rich man's tomb. They tell us how every bone of his body would be pulled apart, but not a bone of his body would be broken. They tell us how the crowd round about would say certain things. In fact, the very words that they would say, though they were enemies of Christ, were actually fulfillment of prophecies made about them centuries before. Sometimes when I've debated with, with atheists, I've said, if there is no God, how do you explain all these fulfilled prophecies? Of course, not just concerning the coming Messiah, but concerning nations and, 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 and characters and events. How do you explain how somebody could write in the present what would happen in the future and get it so accurate? All this was written about Jesus, even how he would die and be buried and then rise from the dead and the impact that he would make on the generations to come. All written by the prophets long before he came into the world. God did not want us to have any excuse for missing who Jesus really was. He was the one who fulfilled prophecy. And actually, as you read through, say, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, these sort of biographies of Christ, you'll find that time and again, it says this happened or this was said because it was fulfilling the prophecies. So here is this man who stands out, stands above all the rest of humanity, a man of history. He really lived a man of mystery. 
unique in the way he came into our world. Uh, a man of prophecy, how he fulfilled all that the prophets said about him. But then he's the man of deity. Look at verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Interesting on prophecies. Uh, you may be familiar with this one. If you've ever listened to Handel's Messiah, he takes up uh, this verse from Isaiah, who wrote 700 years before Jesus. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government, there'll be no end. So a child is going to be born, a son given, who is the Mighty God who's the everlasting father uh, and of course when you start to read about jesus in the new testament it becomes very clear that he is himself god contracted to a span incomprehensibly made man is how one of our christmas carols puts it god clothed himself covered himself dressed himself up in flesh and bones and blood that the vast infinite eternal god became a tiny little baby laid in a manger. In fact, an infinitesimally minute fetus implanted in a virgin mother's womb nine months earlier in Nazareth. This was God. And, and it became very clear the way he lived, that this was no mere mortal. He could speak to a storm at sea and there came instant tranquility. He could take loaves and fish and break them and feed the thousands. He could speak to a dead body and it came back to life. He made the blind see and the, the, the deaf hear and the mute speak and the lame walk and the paralyzed receive their strength. He healed lepers. He lived a totally spotless life. He never sinned as you and I do. He, he, he was he was holiness personified, holiness walking on this on, on this earth. And of course, he claimed to be God. Do you remember? In the Old Testament part of the Bible, this great character, Moses, if, if you've not read about him, you may have seen Steven Spielberg's film, The Prince of Egypt. And there was a time when Moses was receiving from God the Ten Commandments and other commands as well. And he was to take these down to the people. Uh, and Moses, um, he, he said to Almighty God, he said, you want me to give these to the people? But but who shall I say has sent me? What What's your name? And God said, say, I am has sent you. I am that I am. And those two words in, in, in English, I am, became incredibly, incredibly reverent. Do you know, nobody would ever dare say those words. They'd, they'd be regarded as blasphemy. And uh, if the scribes were writing them, they literally bathed themselves first before they wrote them in the scripture. And yet you see the Lord Jesus time and again. He uses those very words about himself. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the door. I'm the vine. I am the alpha. That's the very beginning. I am the omega. That's the very end. On one occasion, he, he said about Abraham, who lived hundreds of years before. He said, before Abraham was, I am and the crowd, when they heard this, were shocked. And the religious leaders said, that's blasphemy. You're saying you're God. Exactly. That's exactly what he was doing. He, he, he said he could forgive sin. Now, who can forgive sin? It's about only God. But Jesus did forgive sin. 
He was God who'd come into our world. Oh, wow. No wonder we commemorate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I, uh, I, I'm very interested in Sir Winston Churchill, but I'd be hard pushed to, to tell you the date of his birth. And, uh, I don't commemorate it every year, but all across the world, people stop and they commemorate the birth of Christ who divided time in two. We have BC before Christ and AD in the year of our Lord because he's so significant. He's the man of history, the man of mystery, the man of prophecy, the man of deity, but he's also the man of humanity. Look at verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she'd brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. She brought into the world a son, a real physical little baby. Dave Donigani showed me yesterday a photo of his gorgeous little granddaughter. And I have to say, she, she's she's good looking, clearly not got it from the grandparents. But anyway, she's she's a gorgeous little baby and a bundle of life. You know, and I suppose if you if you took a pin and pricked her, she'd cry and she'll certainly cry when she's hungry or thirsty and she'll have plenty of sleep because she gets tired, you know, and we know what it is to be human. Jesus was human. He had a physical body. He knew what it was to be hungry and thirsty and tired and tempted. He was a real man. He had real emotions. God had come into our world in the person of Jesus. He's the God man. He's as much God as God is God. But he's as much a man as any man is a man. He was the God man, a real human being. But then there's one other thing that makes it so significant. And I think, yes, it's right that in the midst of all this trouble, we stop, we commemorate and we celebrate. He is the man of destiny. And you get this in verse 21, particularly. Isn't it amazing how much is crammed into to just the first chapter of Matthew about the person of the Lord Jesus? Because Matthew is introducing us to him. But look at verse 21. And she'll bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. That he will save his people from their sins. Now, I hope I'm not stealing Seth's thunder by taking this name of Jesus here, but he's called Jesus. Jesus means savior. And the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world with the express mission of saving humanity. He came to seek and to save those who are lost, he said. He came to lay down his life, he said. He came to serve. He came to die. He came to give his life a ransom for many. It's a wonderful thing that Jesus was born. Yes, to do great things. We know that he lived this perfect, pure life. He 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 met the needs of people. He transformed them, didn't he? But the greatest work he was born to do was to die. He even spoke about the death that he should accomplish. Now, we don't talk about death like that, do we? We, you know, we well, we fear death and um, and we don't think of death being an accomplishment. But the Lord Jesus Christ set his face to go to Jerusalem where he knew he would be crucified. When they took the Lord Jesus and beat his back and made him on that back, carry that rough, rugged Roman cross and then eventually nailed him there and hung him on the cross. He was actually doing his greatest work. 
you say now just a moment roger we've moved from christmas to easter uh but you can never really understand the crib without going beyond it to the cross that's why we get in the very beginning of the gospel where we're going to get the the story of of christ's birth etc call his name jesus for he shall save his people from their sins I don't know what you think of the word sin. Sin really is the breaking of God's commandments. It's the transgression of the law is how the Bible puts it. But there's something within us all, isn't it, that that thinks and says and does wrong, wrong deeds. I'm amazed how day after day after day in our newspapers, we get stories of somebody appointed to this, somebody in a high position, somebody who's done this or doing that, etc. And then they unearth something about their past. and, And suddenly it seems as though their whole world crumbles around them. But isn't there isn't there enough in all of our past to to make us crumble as far as, you know, the reputation of those around us is concerned? None of us are the people we were created to be. We all sin. (laughs) I love I've got a book of quotations of Mae West, the 1920s, 30s actress. She was quite a character. But uh, on one occasion, she said, I used to be Snow White, but I drifted. Hmm. But haven't we all drifted? And, and, you know, we, we can treat sin casually. God never does. Sin is serious. Sin, sin cuts us off from God. That's why he seems so distant. Sin would keep us out of heaven. Sin would condemn us to hell. Sin is serious. But when Jesus went to the cross and suffered there, do you know God took the sin of the world from the beginning of time to the end of time, from from all over. He took sin, my sin, your sin, and laid it on Jesus. And hanging on the cross, he paid as a substitute, as a sacrifice, the penalty for our wrongdoing. I think that's the most amazing thing. And he was born for this. He came to rescue humanity from the plight that we got ourselves into because of our own rebellion. Jesus was born to die, born to be the savior. Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So the big question is, are you one of his people? You say, well, how can I be one of his people? Do you know that it needs to come a moment in our lives when turning from our own way, we turn to the Lord. The Bible calls that repentance. It's recognizing we've done wrong. It's turning from that and trusting the Lord Jesus who died for us. But if you want another evidence that Jesus really is God, he didn't only die. He was buried and three days later rose from the dead. It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus was was laid in a virgin womb. And after he died, he was taken down from the cross and laid in a virgin tomb a tomb that nobody else had ever used. He was sealed, guarded, and there in that tomb, Jesus lay for those three days and nights until that first glorious Easter Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the dead. Who else has done that? Who else has has conquered the grave? Who else has the power to defeat death? Well, Jesus, who is God, clothed in humanity, went to the cross, went to the tomb and then defied both sin and death by rising. One of the big questions it's in the the minds of people and, of course, in the news at the moment is whether we're going to take the vaccine. I've already been asked on a telephone conversation this morning, are you going to have the vaccine? And uh, do you know there's a choice, I suppose, to some extent, there may be huge pressure, but there is a choice. 
and and the, the 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 question that comes to us is what are we going to do with jesus in fact the, the bible says choose you this day whom you'll serve now with the vaccine hey we hope it'll work uh, there may be some risk. I don't know. I'm not a medic at all. And it's not for me to think about this. And uh, and perhaps not everybody will take it. Do you know, with the Lord Jesus Christ, we know he works. We know he forgives the past. We know he changes lives. But the question is, what will we do with Jesus? It's the biggest question. And the answer that we give to that really defines our whole eternity heaven and hell depends not on whether we're good or bad because we'd have no hope but it depends on what we do with the lord jesus and i i recognize one or two faces i can see on the zoom but whoever you are whatever your past whatever you've done and wherever you're you're at and you're thinking about god and christianity at the moment i would urge you to come to the lord jesus who invites us to come he says come all you who labor and are heavy laden. And he says, I'll give you rest. He'll give forgiveness, rest to the soul, spiritual life. Do you know, church is not just about what we believe. It's about who we know and how we live. Because when a person comes to trust Christ, it doesn't just change the way we think and the things we believe. He changes the way we live. And suddenly a, a new priorities take over. And all priorities seem to fade. We, we come to know God. And do you know we love him, enjoy him. And we find that living with him and for him is the most wonderful privilege here on earth. We don't know how long we've got. We don't know what coronavirus or whatever else will do to us. But we do know this. If we come to trust this man of history, mystery, prophecy, deity, humanity, deity, if we trust him, He'll become the most wonderful, precious friend and saviour who'll take us through life. Yes, through death one day and then into eternity with him. When I was 15, I prayed a prayer, something like, God, I know I'm not the person I should be. But I do believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Please forgive me. Come and live in my life. Become my Lord and saviour. And I've never regretted that moment. It was the hinge which changed the whole direction of my life. And if you've never yet prayed like that, I urge you, ask Jesus, who died for you and rose from the dead, to forgive you and come and live within you by his spirit and guide you and take you through life one day to be with himself for all eternity. Well, God bless you, each one. Thank you, Roger. Uh, could I ask you to pray for us to, to finish things this morning? Yes, by all means. Um let me pray two prayers, a prayer of repentance and faith and commitment, like I've just prayed, and then a prayer for the Lord's blessing on us all. So if you've never truly trusted Christ before, but want to know you need to, I urge you to do pray this first prayer with me now. Dear God, thank you that you know everything there is to know about me. But Lord, it does mean I want to say I am sorry for all in my life that is wrong. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for sin and rose from the dead. Please forgive me. Come and live in my life. Please become my Lord and Saviour and help me to follow you. For I pray in Jesus name. Amen. And Father, we do thank you for our time together. 
whether on Zoom or YouTube, in church, whatever, Lord, thank you that we can meet together to worship you. And in this day and age, when it seems as though people sort of wanting to ignore you, Lord, we want you to be first in our lives. So as we go into a new week, bless us, keep us mindful of your presence. Help us to live for you, serve you, make you known to all whom we meet and enjoy your presence moment by moment. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.